The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. I, um, I read a story recently which left a very strong impact on me. I'd like to share it with you. It's a story about a, an eight-year-old boy. An eight-year-old boy called Menachem. Menachem is a young boy living in Eretz Yisrael. Lively. If you ever go to Israel, you see what lively kids really look like. Yeah, They don't need an iPad or an iPhone to play games on all day. Yeah, 50 kids are entertained by a broken wire. They're sitting there doing jump row in the streets. Have you seen this? Yeah? And you have these other kids hanging upside down. You know those metal things on the side of the road? Yeah, so you don't kind of get on the sidewalk. These kids are using them like jungle gyms. And they're hanging upside down. These are like Israeli children. At least in the area that I, that I grew up in. That I, that I lived in. So this kid is running around, levedic. You know, it's only in Eretz Yisrael that kids fall on the floor and the floor is stone and they get up and no problem. Over here, you know, you have plush carpet and they're crying for ages. So one day Menachem runs out of his house like he does every day and as he's running out of his house he trips on the top of the stairs and his mother sees him fall down the entire flight of stairs and she hears a thud as his head hits the floor at the bottom step. She's waiting for him to get up. She's waiting to do the thing that all mothers do. Yeah? When you're one second quicker than your child, you've all done it before. Or if the younger brother. Like if you're one second too late, then they're crying. But if you get there early, if you say, aww, then they start crying. If you say, oh my God, I just saw an ice cream truck. And they're like, where? Circumnavigating crying, right? So she sees the kid fall down and she hears the thud and she's ready. But her son Menachem doesn't get up. So she runs down the stairs thinking it must be more painful, must have been a bigger shock, and she sees that the child is unconscious. They rush Menachem off to the hospital, and unfortunately, instead of helping, the staff at the hospital are all mivuhal, and they get it wrong. And whatever they did to the child, when he finally wakes up, Menachem is unable to see. He's completely blind. And he starts to yell. He's very afraid. He's eight years old. He doesn't know what's happening. So he starts to call out for his parents and to try and reach for his mother. But unfortunately, as he tries to reach for his parents, he sees that his arms are not quite working either. Partial paralysis. The rest of his body. And the mother and the father, everyone is hysterical. They don't know what to do. You know, they're crying. Nothing is helping. The medicines don't work. And like so many times, where we are unfortunately reminded that it is not the doctor who heals, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Menachem is sent home. His world and their world turned upside down in one afternoon. What are they going to do? The school can't cater for him. He's blind. He can't walk. He can't move his arms. So even the schools that are capable of dealing with kids that are blind because they can have them read Braille can't move his arms over the letters. And the kids and the schools that are capable of dealing with people who have some level of a disability, they they can't deal with him because he can't see. 
And his father of Avram is forced. If they're going from school to school and they see that there's no one that can help their child, he's forced to stick him in a state school in Eretz Yisrael, which is a mix of the Jewish kids, the Arab kids in the neighborhood, religious and not religious kids. It's the catch-all, it's the school that can deal with the kids that no other school can. It's a very difficult decision for someone who grows up with a life of Torah mitzvahs to think that the school doesn't even allow them to have Kodesh lessons. What's going to happen to his boy? He sends his child there. Days and weeks go by and months go by and the family tries to keep their spirits up. He wheels his son every week to shul. And every week at Shalashudis, they'd go around the room and people would ask, would start to say a Dvar Torah, what they'd learned in school. People would share an idea at, at the table. And every week they would go around the table and when we get to Menachem's turn, they would skip over his turn. Menachem would sit there. He didn't know. He didn't know what they were talking about. He hadn't learned the parashat. And every week this would happen. In one week, it was parashat b'chu kaisai. Menachem is sitting there. And do you know how it works in schools? You have so many kids that go through all the different schools. And they could be boys or girls who go to Beis Yaakov or Teferis or Asmanian or Menorah, it won't matter. Amazingly, somehow they all manage to come home with the same Dvar Torah on the same Pasuk, often the same Rashi. It's quite fascinating. I think it's a conspiracy. Either that or HaKadosh Baruch who's trying to test parents' patience. So everyone is saying, And everyone is quoting Rashi. If you follow in my ways, that you should be Amelin, that you should be, uh, you should work hard, you should toil in Torah. One after the next, after the next. It's Menachem's turn. And again, someone asks, whose turn is it? And everyone looks to the person to the right of Menachem. And Menachem says quietly, Ani, me, it's my turn. Everyone goes quiet. It's the boy that never speaks. He can't see. He's wheeled in. No one even knew practically that we're in his family that he even spoke. And the boy shouts on the top of his lungs. He says, Im Mimicking the words that he'd heard around that. That you should be toil. You should be hard working in Torah. Work. Push yourself to do, to be more. And he says... This Rashi, this Pasuk was said to every Jew. Well, what about me? Why can't I work in Torah? Why can't I learn? Why can't I be given a chance to study? What about me? I also want. Gamanirotze. Gamanirotze. This boy is sitting there and he's crushed, and everyone around at the table, what are they going to say? They're crying with him. He goes home, and a short while later, there's nothing to do. A short while later, it's Simchas Torah in the shul. And they have a custom in their shtibel where there are some hakafos that are sold to the parents for money, and there are some hakafos where the young people bid on them, and one person bids, and the next person bids, and the next kid, and he gets this one, this one. And finally, after a few hakafos of the children, again, Menachem turns to his father, and he's pulling on his sleeve, and he says, Abba! I also want a hakafa. His father's thinking. He's gonna, he can't stand. He can't see. How's he going to do a hakafa? Hold the safe retire, walk around the bima. 
and his father's quieting him. But two people sitting at the table, uh, sitting right next to him at the table, they said, "You know what? Lamalo, let's give him a chance. We can hold him." They signal to the guy. They get the aliyah. They get the hakafa. One of them holds Menachem up from the back behind, holding his arms out. Another one holds the Sefer Torah close to him, close to his chest, and they holding Menachem from one side and the Sefer Torah from the other. And they're whispering in his ear, Please Hashem, save me. And this boy is calling out on the night of Simchat Torah. And the entire shul, the entire shul, no one can speak. One of the men comes over to the father afterwards and says, there has to be a better way. I know that there are no schools, but maybe if we raise the money, I know that you don't have the money, Rabbi Avram, but maybe if we raise the money, we'll go speak to Rabbi Yashiv. We'll see if we're allowed to take money from tzedakah, money that was collected for Talmud Torah. Is this called Talmud Torah? Maybe he won't even be able to learn. Maybe he'll only be able to learn a little bit. But there's Jewish kids in that cheder who are never getting taught any Torah whatsoever. They go to Rabbi Yashiv, and Rabbi Yashiv says... There was never a greater mitzvah of Talmud to than this. Because all of the yeshivas, if you don't give, someone else will. But here, if we don't give, who's going to give it to them? So they raise the money, and the Malamid comes in, and Bacharim are coming in. And they start a little class, and they start teaching them about the parsha, Mishnayas, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And slowly but truly, these boys are also starting to learn. And his mother hears him come home that Pesach for the first time. And even though he's older than the younger kids, for the first time, he's the child that asks Manishtana. Because it's the first year that he's learned it. At least properly. Gamanirotzeh. But a little while later, and this, this, is where you see the neshama of a Jew, this spirit that will not give up or give in, an 11 year old boy in his class, one of his classmates passes away. And everyone turns up for the shleishim, and the family is sitting there, and the father says a hespid, and one of the teachers says it has been. And all of the boys from the, from the school are there. And the Rav of the Shul says it has been. And they're about to finish. And Menachem says, I also want to speak to my best friend. I want to say, I want to say something to my best friend. And they wheel him up. And the place goes quiet. And they bring him a microphone. And he starts talking to his best friend. And he says, I want you to know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves you. And you want to know how I know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves you? It's because everybody else here loved you. I don't know if Menachem knew, but he was quoting a Mishnah. It's a Mishnah in Ovis. It says if someone is all of Alabrius, he's all of Lamakayim. Everybody here loved you. And you took care of me when I couldn't see. Well, every time I got on the bus, you sat next to me and you'd fix the seatbelt around my waist because I couldn't do it with my arms. And I'm going to miss you so much. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves you too, and He wants you up with Him. But before you go, I want to give you a gift to say thank you for everything that you've done for me. Everyone is wondering, what's this boy going to give? What kind of gift could he give to his friend? Who's Meso Muto Lefanov? 
And Menachem leans closer to the microphone and on the top of his lungs, he screams out, Yiskadal v'yiskadash me'rabo. The place is stunned, but the answer, Amen. May the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu be elevated, be sanctified. In a world where HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the way He saw fit to create it, with circumstances that He saw fit to give to me and to you. There'll soon come a time where we'll be able to see His plan and what HaKadosh Baruch Hu had intended. And finally he finishes and he screams the Imru Amen with all of his might. And I thought to myself, I'm sitting reading this story. And you wonder, this is a boy who didn't go to yeshiva. He didn't have the opportunity. Yeah, he had a couple of private lessons. But where did he learn this from? Where does this come from, this gamma nirotzeh? This desire where, you know what, no one would blame you if you rolled over and went back to sleep. Everyone would give you all the answers in the world. Look, yeah, I don't, I can, no one, we can't judge you. What Hashem did, what Hashem gave you, who knows, who understands. You must have a special neshama. Things like this. But for Menachem it's not enough, it's Gamani Rotzeh. I want mine, where's my chilek? Where's my place? And if I can't walk, and if I can't hold a safe return, I'm going to ask for it anyway. And Hashem will make it happen if I want it enough. Kasher, avadati, avadati, I'm going to throw myself out, I'll ask, I'll do whatever I can, and that will be enough. That will have to be enough. Hashem created me this way, with these nesyonis, with these challenges, with these mindsets, with these parents, in this community, in this school. You think Hashem doesn't know what He's doing? He knows exactly what he's doing, and he gave you what he wants you to have. And maybe your eight errors is quiet. And maybe it sits inside of you. Maybe it's just been planted. But on a day of Purim, we have an excess ability to be able to be Mikayim Kimu Mashikiblu Kvar. At Harsinai, we accepted to do every mitzvah in the book. Are you doing every mitzvah in the book? Am I doing every mitzvah in the book? I'm not. I can't speak for you, but I'm willing to bet some of you would be able to answer honestly that you're not. Purim is when we're makir, that if Hashem gave it to us as a mitzvah, we can do it. Because odds have never been something that ever mattered to Jews. And when we want something bad enough, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will bend everything in the world to be able to allow us to connect to Him. And hopefully the Abba that you shout for this year on Purim will be a closer Abba than the Abba you shouted for last year on Purim. And next year on Purim, the Abba that you shout for on Purim, when you get to see Him again in the month of Adar, when He comes so close to us, He breaks apart the mechitzos, the curtains, and we get to see His hand in every part of our life, that Abba will be from another position, a position of even greater strength. We will go Michael, El Choyel, standing taller and prouder, making our God in heaven, our Father in heaven, ever more proud 
of the Jewish people that we inexorably, inevitably are becoming. Jumtif. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.